Charles Leclerc started second in the race today. He sees the chequered flag, and for the first time, other than when he's on pole, he takes victory. Charles Leclerc wins the Austrian Grand Prix, and Max Verstappen, after taking maximum points in the sprint yesterday, settles for second place. And P1! Yes, sir! Yes! What's up, guys? Andrew Cleary here, leading it off this week for Season 2, Episode 14 of the F1 Podcast, where the Red Bull machine himself, Max Verstappen, got overtaken by another red machine in Charles Leclerc and the Ferrari for a, quite an interesting weekend where Charles Leclerc wins the Austrian Grand Prix with Max Verstappen finishing second. Here are my co-hosts, Jonathan and Erica, to discuss this weekend. Uh, Jonathan, I heard you had a fun time over this weekend in Nashville. So long, Nashville, Tennessee. It, it is a lovely city. Hey, y'all. How's it going? It's good to be back. Um, I have a nice cowboy hat uh, that I got down there. <laughs> it is great. Um, but uh, I wanted to shout out to Tyler. Uh, despite the whole weekend of shenanigans, uh, he still found time to watch the race. So, um, and just love it. And just even though what happened at the race, he still had a smile no matter what. Um, but no, it's good. It's good. Uh, it was a great race. What can I say? But Erica, hello. How are you? Hello. Hello. I am good. I am lucky. And in that I was able to watch qualifying on Friday because I was not one of the people impacted by that horrific Rogers outage out here in Canada. So uh, if you were, I'm sorry, that sucked, but I hope you appreciated knowing what it was like to live in the 90s. So uh, it's really scary how dependent we are on like two or three companies overall with regards to our digital services nowadays. And um, that's a conversation for another day, but it's quite, (laughs) it was quite, quite eye opening, in my opinion. Uh, I actually had to go to my grandfather's on Friday to do work because <laughs> oh, he had Bell and I, and I had a Bell. I, luckily I have a Bell phone. My dad's all Rogers, right? So he was in a frame. I, I was trying to fix my Wi-Fi because I didn't notice that like it was a, you know, a nationwide shutdown. I thought it was just like, oh, great. My modem's acting up again. I got to go fix it. So as I'm trying to sh- sh- troubleshoot this thing like 60 times, my dad comes over and goes like, do you have internet? And I was like, no, do you? He goes like, no. I got a big meeting today and now I got nothing. And he's just freaking out. I'm like, okay, we'll try our grandfather like he has Bell. So we, um, you know, went over there for the full day and was able to figure it all out. But yeah, again, scary how dependent we are on some, on three companies. Bro. I, I, I could just, uh, before we can get right into it, but I just want to say like, my phone was just like not working down in Nashville on Friday. And like, even if I had service or anything, cause like I am on a Rogers phone, like, um, it was rough. So I basically had to go from like Starbucks to Starbucks just to get Wi-Fi back in the old days <laughs> when you first never had to actually get service on your phone and your parents were like, make sure your phone's on airplane mode. And then, but yeah, that was really funny. So actually this is another fun, this was a sprint weekend format. So we had qualifying on Friday, which saw mattress app and set the pole lap um, right at the end there over Charles Leclerc. And the Ferrari. Ferrari looked like they had a good-looking car all weekend. But the talk of the story was not that. It was Mercedes both getting into Q3 and royally screwing it up. You lose. Yeah, that was definitely, I think, a bit of a surprise. Everyone was all excited. I mean, we've seen Mercedes be a much more competitive car in the last few weeks ever since they've worked out some of the issues they had what with porpoising. Um, but we saw Lewis Hamilton go off the track and crash into the barrier. 
red flag, restart the session, only to have George Russell do it again immediately upon restarting. Um, Fortunately, I know it was absolutely insane and like a very similar type of crash if memory serves like it was just kind of losing control kind of coming out of the corner so surprised to see those kinds of mistakes but to have both cars do that is there something else going on yeah I believe it was Hamilton lost it on turn seven or eight there and he went he slid his back and it went all the way across the gravel it was a pretty big impact I would say from the side and then George lost it into 10 going around that wasn't too bad he just kind of broke the end um wing or you know the back plate off but i don't know Jonathan, what were your uh, standouts for um qualifying on friday i think it was it was a pretty wild like when especially with both mercedes going out um that was kind of just like really like how lucky because i think there's a video of total smiling and then after both the crashes like just the biggest grim on his face um, a couple of things that stood out to me, and I think we're going to probably get it into this week is just like how great both Haas's look, uh, Mick with double points, uh, race weekends. Um, you know, just, you know, Fernando Alonso looked good in qualifying, uh, you know, the Alpines seemed to get it together. And I mean, you know, what's still Austin Martin is still not trying to figure out that car. And, you know, there's some rumors about Sebastian Vettel now ar- arising in, in the media. So, um, you know, I think it was a still exciting qualifying, um, you know, Charles, uh, Charles almost was able to get it, but, and then Max came out of nowhere as usual and got it. So, um, but I think if the, also one of the things is like the sprint race, um, I thought it was pretty exciting. I, I mean, no real change there. I mean, Max, Charles, Carlos, but it was fun. Also, what but was I, up with like Gasly and um, Perez in Q3 when, or in Q2? Like they just couldn't figure out how, you know, Perez cut the corner so he couldn't qualify for Q3, yet they let him go and, and they took like a nine race grid penalty as a result for the sprint. I just thought that was like a little mind boggling that you have all this time to sort it out between qualifying sessions and yet the FIA just refused to do so. Yeah, that, that really made no sense to me because it was pretty obvious. Like you could hear the commentators mention it when it happened. You could see it all over social media that people were laughing because like the mildest tire over a line gets a lap deleted for a track limit violation. And yet this like very clear cut through a corner did not. So um, if I were Pierre, I'd be pretty upset because I mean, you know, he hasn't necessarily had the best season in that Alpha Tauri uh, as it stands. So in order to be able to get into Q3 and try to see if you can pull out a good time would have been really exciting, I think, to put him in a better position for that sprint race. So um, there's all, I have a couple questions for the officials and the stewards because we saw some weird stuff in the race, especially with Carlos, So um, which we'll probably dive into later. But I, I just found that overall just so strange. For qualifying but what I loved about the sprint race um super fun battle to see between Hamilton and the two hosses um what what did you all think of that I thought it was probably my favorite part of the entire sprint <laughs> so one week Mick start, tries to fight off uh Max Verstappen for points the second week he goes after Lewis Hamilton I wonder who who's next that Mick's gonna go after is he gonna go after Charles he'd be like hey by the way I'm coming to that seat in like maybe five six years so just watch out I mean, 
I know that we've talked about it before, but that Haas has a lot of different Ferrari components in it, right? So yeah. even though, you know, it's definitely not, I think, ever going to have the same kind of upgrades and whatnot that we'll see in the Ferrari throughout the rest of the season. In my head, I have the Frank Ocean song, White Ferrari, playing in my head when I look at it as of late. So definitely something to keep in mind. Like he's living up to the hype, I think, in these last couple of races. Yeah, the sprint was a lot of fun, I thought. I thought Checo did an amazing job to come from 13th all the way to 5th and just really pound his way through the field um, with that Red Bull card to like, get it into a spot where they could be competitive on Saturday, on Sunday. And um, I loved the battle with Mick, and I loved how he was upset about not keeping Hamilton back um, you know, after the sprint race. Like, he was, he was gutted. He couldn't do that. So, you know it really just goes to show like how much he really cares about wanting, you know, putting this Haas car in a position there. It hasn't been the last two years, you know, what are you, what were you the thought? If I told you like in 2018, 2019, that um, in a couple of years, Haas was going to defend a Mercedes on track. Like, <laughs> Y'all would be laughing in my face and I would be laughing in my face as a result. I probably, I'd probably say like, is, are they defending on a blue flag? Like, you know, no, they don't, they don't want to pass and that they, they might get, they might get black flagged. That's probably no, but it, it, we've been seeing some good driving from both drivers uh, this year. And it's like, it goes to show, I think they're not, they're no, I think the, I don't know what the bottom teams are. I think it's Williams, um, Aston Martin, Aston Martin. <laughs> and then I think it's Haas next or Alphatari, but like, they're really putting themselves back up the constructors, which is good to see. Yeah, I think um, what what I loved was that Mick almost seemed a little gutted that there were no team orders to let him overtake Magnuson in that sprint because he was right on his butt with the DRS. Like he was right at the edge of the car. And from a team standpoint, it makes sense because if he were able to overtake and then, you know, Magnuson was behind, it would have still been easy for Hamilton too. And then he probably would have taken out um, Mick as well. But just, I think, uh, very exciting to see that this young driver is feeling very comfortable in this car and is really kind of putting the pedal to the metal and uh, showing us what it's got. So that Ferrari Driver Academy seat is uh, evidently paying off. <laughs> oh, you're saying, Richie, Haas is seventh in the Constructors' Championship right now with um, AlphaTauri behind them in eighth and then following up with um, Aston Martin and Williams. Oh, wow. Aston Martin's ninth. Wow. Yeah. Shocking. So we have this great sprint on Saturday. Really bodes well for the race on Sunday. And then Sunday happened. And the FIA all of a sudden just flip a switch where they go from zero track limits on Friday and Saturday to let's just throw out. It was 43 track limit violations on the race on Sunday with, I believe, it was Lando, Joe, Pierre, and Vettel all getting a five-second penalty for repeated offenses. And you could tell in the cockpit of every car, people were livid with these track limits, especially if you heard Hamilton afterwards saying it's a complete BS that he went wide in a couple of turns. So I just don't understand like how you just flip the switch. Like It's like in baseball. You see this all the time with people unplating like behind home plate, right? But it's individually, like you get a bad ump once in a while, or you get a, you know, get a good ump and calls the balls and strikes properly. But it's the same stewards. Especially the consistency. On, and like, especially on this circuit too, like the, it's well known that especially I think it's around like turn four. That's a very difficult one. I think like you're going into that speed trap to really kind of keep it tight. Like 
it, it was kind of hilarious how often they're like, oh, everyone's got to watch out. If they have too many more track limit violations, there's going to be yet another penalty. And it's like, what do you mean yet another penalty? How is there even one in the first place? So, uh, I mean, but it was kind of surprising. I mean, uh, we saw Alonzo obviously had issues with the sprint, but then Joe had issues just getting to the starting grid during the formation lap on Sunday. So it was unfortunate that he had to start from the pit lane. But um, from there, things just kind of took off, did they not? Well, you saw in the first lap, uh, Sergio tried to overtake Russell out of the outside. You could tell, clearly tell that Sergio was ahead of Russell and Russell I think gave him. Enough, I think he also gave him enough space, in my opinion. Russell, you know, driver error, which was, you know, warranted by the five-second penalty that he received, but effectively knocked out Checo's race. And that yeah. was a big key for Ferrari being able to win this race because Max wasn't able to have team support there to help defend him against Charles in the end. Yeah, and it's like it. It was kind of quite. If we if if we're talking about the race now, like especially. Um, you know, it was looking so well. And then all of a sudden, like Carlos car just caught on fire. Um, and I actually, Kim Illman was literally just standing within like meters or like a couple of feet away from it. And he had, he took some really good photos, uh, of the car, but man, just, I don't know if you guys saw those photos of just how, how much flame went up, like just really quickly. And, and, you know, the marshals running over to, to try, well, one marshal running over to um, take, try to a hold the car and b try to put the fire extinguisher on it. It was just absolutely wild um, to see that. Um, actually, did you know that this is Ferrari's first win in Austria since two thousand three? Actually, and if you can name the driver, I'd be pretty impressed. Was it Schumacher? Yes, it was. <laughs> but it was crazy. I was really the that slow- surprised. It was crazy seeing the slow mo footage of that of, of signs car because you can literally see the engine blow up inside the chassis yeah and then flame erupts and thankfully signs got out and was okay like you know gutted for carlos because he drove really well this weekend i thought just up until that point when the engine literally blew up on itself and then he just it was out of the race <laughs> And it was so shocking how fast that happened too. Like, cause he pulled over and then the car couldn't stop and you could see the smoke and just, just scary all around. But, you know, Carlos has fortunately been all over Instagram, very publicly posting stuff, seems to be in a good mood and not too, too rattled by it. So hopefully that bodes well, that he's not like too concerned and Ferrari is able to figure out what exactly happened here. So things are good heading into France. Yeah. And I think also like the fact that Charles, uh, Charles was able to win a race. And I think, you know, he's had some unlucky five last races uh, recently, just gives that momentum for him. And, and, you know, I know France is going to be, I mean, I, I, I think we've already talked about this. I don't really think the French track is that exciting. Um, but I, I think it will be especially a testament on some of those like uh, longer stints um, if they can keep up with the with uh, Red Bulls uh, there. So hopefully uh, it bears good well, good goodwill for them. So what I'm having for the final classification of the race result was Charles Leclerc winning in P1, followed by Max Verstappen a second behind, followed by George or Lewis Hamilton <laughs> who has finished 41 seconds behind the lead car. And I just want to say another lucky podium in the books for Lewis this season, because if sign clearly signs is probably going to get the one, two, regardless of, um, 
you know, if, if he kept the car because Max's tire degradation on Sun on Sunday was just out of this world. I don't understand how he was just losing so much grip in his tires so early. And Ferrari was just able to, uh, you know, maintain their tire temps and really push because Sainz was in striking distance very quick on him after every pit stop yeah. going forward. And then, you know, the blow up of the energy of the engine just it killed a Ferrari one, two, which is, you know, obviously gutting for the Tifosi. So, but three straight third place podiums for Hamilton and yet another top five for Russell. So this bears well for them in the constructors. Um, and especially if like, if something that happens to the top two teams, like Mercedes is just like slowly creeping up um, to catch up uh, to potentially go for P2. Yeah, they're very much sitting pretty in the Constructors' Championship. They've got 237 points, which puts them about, I don't know, 67 or I don't know. My math's not bad. Not good. I'm not paying attention right now. But we've got Red Bull in first with 359, Ferrari in second with 303, so a bit of a gap. And then Mercedes in third with 237. The next place team is McLaren with 81. Yeah, the top three is pretty much all done and dusted at this point. It's more so who's going to win that fourth place. Um, yeah. And like McLaren and Alpine are tied right now. I'm a little like, based on what we've seen, obviously it's not shocking, but from what we've come to expect from McLaren over the last few seasons, I would have thought they'd be able to turn it around a little bit more by now, put that pressure on Mercedes and but, go from there. But Erica, great news. Um, so I'll just finishing the top 10, but you know, we got Akon finishing in fifth, great for Alpine. You got Mick finishing in sixth, great for his confidence and great for Haas. Lando oh. finished seventh on a track yeah. that they did on a track that he was actually really complaining about his braking in qual in practice and free practice because he was just afraid of braking with his front end. So to see him finish in points was really good and probably a booster for McLaren, I would say. Um, Magnuson in eighth, you know, double points for Haas again this weekend. And then Danny Rick finishing ninth, Alonzo finishing, but Danny Rick finishing ninth, getting points. Um, you know, he made a comment today about how he's committed to McLaren until the end of 2023 and he's committed to the sport of Formula One. But Zach Brown made it evidently clear that he needs to get to the place where Orlando is right now. And, um, but it's good to see success for, you know, McLaren, a double points finish at this point. And it's, it's, it's not amazing, but Hey, it's progress on a track that you didn't think you were going to score well at. For sure. So I'm hopeful that they're able to keep this up. I mean, they've done well on some of the other tracks that we've yet to go to this season in the past. So I don't know. I mean, it is improving performance. I have to agree with you on that, but you know me, I just want to see them win. I want another Monza. That could come. You never know. <laughs> it's like, you know, when Sebastian Vettel said, was it like when he was talking to Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, and he's just like, can you guys just both crash and so I can just go right through? Make sure you take both of you out so I can go through. Yes? No? <laughs> Try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically what Erica's asking, she's like, can I have basically all of Red Bull, all of Ferrari, and maybe all of Mercedes just all like, crash into each other and then the lando and daniel just go right through yeah if you could all take each other out that would be great i really <laughs> appreciate that you'd be doing me a huge solid that would so. be can you can you come in on the weekend that would be great anyone what movie what movie office space don't <laughs> yes. test my knowledge <laughs> hello peter what's happening um i'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow 
So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. I, I um, thought um, Williams had a decent weekend with regards to Albon. Um, you know, he was hanging around up in P10 of the points for a little while, got overtaken, though, unfortunately, the end by Fernando, who I thought had an incredible race on Sunday, considering that he had his pit lane start and he was able to finish in 10th, which is really good. Um, but, yeah, you know, Aston Martin being, you know, Aston Martin, Stroll had some <laughs> promising moments being in eighth and defending well. And then I was like, oh, right, he has to pit again. And then that just killed his race being there. Alpha Terry this year, I don't know what's going on. I predicted them to finish up really high, and they're absolute dog crap right now. You lose. Yeah, it's all very shocking in my opinion. I think we've come to expect so much. Like, we've saw, we've seen so much promise from Yuki and we know Pierre is a solid driver. We've seen him perform in this alpha, and I just don't understand what's happening, especially when you've got the Red Bull car that's so dominant. And I understand that this is a separate racing team, but how they're so off pace and struggling is is a little mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and especially because, like, I'm thinking that, like, you know, Pierre Gasly had some, like, really key moments last year. Um and to see them struggling this, but I think that's probably one of the, I wouldn't say that's like the, uh, the season, like, oh my God moment so far. I think we've seen a couple of drivers, but it's kind of very disappointing. Cause like, you know, Yuki did have a good race in Bahrain, um, like to start the season, you know, he did well in Imola and, you know, he got points in Spain, but, um, you know, this is his what one, two, three, four, five, like five straight races, no points with one retirement. So. Um, I could only imagine a lot of these drivers are looking forward to the summer to get away from the, the racetrack. Yeah, the break is coming up, right? We have France and Hungary, and then we got the summer break. So um, it'll be good to see how our um, beginning of the year race predictions were are coming <laughs> along um, at the summer I'll, break. We'll definitely do a podcast then. Oh, goodness if, me. You if, if judging by how my fantasy team is doing, it is not good. I just want to point out, I didn't have enough budget to pick a fifth driver. <laughs> That's that how poorly that it's going. Tough. <laughs> That's tough. Oh my goodness. So uh, nobody asked me for tips. I clearly can't give you any. Uh, you're on your own and maybe you could give me some tips because uh, it's not going so well over here in Hollingsworthville. It's like the Mad Max. Like you're just out in the middle of nowhere fighting everybody. Don't yep. even know what to do yep so with our with that going into the you know with our race recap there it'd be good to go into some fan questions right now for sure um to remember who the first fan question was jonathan um with regards to but um you know being in austria it's a common staple that we see and we'll see it in zanvoort too is the orange flares so you know with the dutch fans celebrating uh max verstappen with the orange flares now it causes a lot of issues on track as much as it cools. It looks on the track. It causes a lot of issues with regards to visibility and the smells of it and whatnot. Um, so the real question is, is it, or one of the fan questions we had was, are, you know, do, do flares have a place in formula one? I have a strong opinion on this. And I would love to hear it. So uh, do you want to go first, Erica? I don't know. How strong is your opinion, man? I'll, fight you any day of the week if yours is contrary to mine well, so go ahead so i so i used to be a supporter as uh sup i used to be in the supporter section uh, for one year for when i was with uh, for toronto fc um 
And I obviously understood when you sat in them, for those that don't know, like Toronto FC is an MLS team and the South end of the stadium is considered the supporter section. So you're allowed to do, uh, there was like, there were, the rules were much more lenient there. Um, and so you were allowed to stand up, you're allowed to bring flags, you were allowed to like bring streamers. Then after a couple of years, they started banning streamers. Um, and then flares were obviously a subject because uh, a subject of conversation and then they ended up getting banned because like you see some of these uh these uh soccer matches where you know uh games had to be stopped for like 30 minutes because how many flares on the field and you know i i i am a i i do love the passion of it but it, it gets to a point if you're spending hundreds of dollars of or of euros or whatever and then all of a sudden you're about to take that beautiful photo and then all these flares come out of everywhere and it's like it, it's just frustrating and like luckily when when Erica and I were in, in Montreal, we only saw one flare. And mm -hmm. I mean, the security was pretty good. Like the, anyone who was trying to bring any of that stuff in was not going to get it. So I think the FIA has to really do make a decision and say, it's just like, you know, it is a Stapleton, like, yes, with the orange, the flares, it's great. But like, are you only going to be doing it in certain sections or you don't let people bring it in at all? And like towards the end of the lap, Maybe some of the events people have one or two flares that they can just throw. Not as exciting, but you can avoid that situation where uh, fans like couldn't breathe or couldn't look. Um, yeah, it, it does suck when you have to have those signs that says you're allowed to stand here. Be in mind that flags go up and stuff. Yes, we all laugh at those, but like you kind of have to have that if it's someone for for people. It's they're not first time going to a Formula One race, so. You know, I thought about it at first. I said, you know, I'm, I was, I'm a fan of it. I support it. But after this weekend and just seeing some of the videos on Reddit and social media on Twitter, I think the FIA needs to ban it or look at some sort of alternative. Yeah, I agree with you. I hate the flares. I don't like them. And it was one thing, because I seem to remember from some of the races, like if I think of Zanvoort last year, there were a couple that went off earlier, but majority of the time the flares went off at the end of the race. It was a big celebration, max one. So everyone's lighting off the flares. But to have that happen so early in a race one, there were a couple of shots where you could actually see how thick the cloud of smoke was. And it was kind of concerning for me to see how cloudy that was for the drivers. I feel like that's a safety concern when it's in that kind of amount. And second, I mean, like you said, we only saw one flare in Montreal. It stunk and it made me want to start coughing. I hated it. I can't imagine what it's like if you're someone who, uh, you know, what if you have asthma? What if someone has another respiratory thing? Like, do you think that it's going to be better for you because you're outdoors at the sport and you're in the stands and stuff? But I mean, like, think about like some of the health and safety concerns just for the fans, not even the drivers in that regard. It seems a little excessive and there's other ways to be part of the Orange Army and celebrate without having to set off a flare, right? So I'm also in favor of them going away or like you said, for it to be more controlled so like, yeah, maybe they set off some flares depending on who wins the race to go for their team. It's a little bit more spaced out, safe, things of that sort. Um, also, wouldn't that be really cool? It would kind of be like, you know, fireworks going off at the end of a football game or something, depending on who wins. Like, wouldn't it be neat? Like a blue one goes off if Alpine goes, or red one if it's a Ferrari team, they've got white smoke for Haas, stuff like that. Like, I think that would be pretty cool too. Because, um, you know, I, but yeah, I think it's excessive for what's been going on. And I think it's just proving that the time has come to really make a call on this for everyone's sake. 
I agree with you, Erica. And I think a good substitution or good or a solution to it would be, as you mentioned, let's have some fireworks. You know, we see them, especially like in the, you know, in Abu Dhabi, they have a guitar, they have a guitar, there's a Jetta they have. Um, you know, even at Zanvoort, at the end of this, at the end of the race, they had uh, fireworks lining down the end of the straight when they when the winner passed the finish line. Why don't do that? Like, do that for everybody. I know it's easier when it like it when it's dark out for see those races, but it's still like Zanvoort was light out when they had that when, when the fireworks went off, or maybe like yeah, having like you said like a, a controlled smoke environment that's not as like vaporous as, um, you know, as a flare celebrating mm-hmm. for the winning team. I think that, I think that the FIA has an opportunity, the F1 has an opportunity um, to enhance the celebrations and everyone bring flags. Just mm-hmm. don't bring flares. Flags are a lot awesome. easier. You can take better pictures with flags than you can with flares. So <laughs> in that case, our second question though, comes from Harry Lewis himself. And uh, it's a question what it goes, can Charles catch Verstappen if Ferrari finds a way to finish as many races as Red Bull for the rest of the season? I think it goes like they, if, if they can have a consistent engine and like we can actually have some multiple finishes for the team, like, yeah, yes, like I, I definitely see that. But like Charles has two, um, Carlos has four um, DNFs, so or retirements, my apologies. So I, I think it would be a little bit more closer if, if they're if, if Ferrari was able to figure or Marinello was able to figure out the car a little bit more and hopefully during the summer break that they can fix some of those changes and yeah, we can make it a little bit more closer, um, towards that at the same time. Um, yeah, we did get a little bit of luck on some of these races with some, with Paris going out or, uh, Max, uh, going out in Australia and, and in Bahrain, uh, particularly, but, um, you know, I, I want a competitive car. I want us to be able to finish. I want Charles and Carlos on the podium more, more, more often. Um, but uh, that's how I feel. It's, I think so, but time will tell. No, I agree with you on that one. I definitely think that all driver skill aside, the Ferrari car is by and large the better one. And then to add a level to that, I do think that the skill level of the two Ferrari drivers together is more than the two Red Bull drivers. I love Checo. I think everyone knows that. I've said that tons of times. I think he's a fantastic driver and he's very talented, but I do think that for the most part, save the couple of mistakes we saw from, uh, you know, signs in the gravel earlier in the season, that he is the one that's going to pull more out of the car and be more likely to podium if you were to kind of weigh him against Checo. Um, Checo has had a few podiums, but it really has been more of a result of what's happened to some of the other drivers and other cars. Uh, And also, you know, when he does well, he does well. But when he is on an off week, he's not good sometimes we've seen him fall way back on the grid and even though he can overtake there are times where he just doesn't and he can't move his way back up so I think it's entirely possible that if Ferrari figures out the car we're going to see a lot more double podium finishes possibly a bunch more one two finishes for Charles and uh, Carlos and you know we've Charles this week I'm pretty sure he overtook Checo in the points again so it's entirely possible that he can catch back up so it's funny, right? Because like, if you take a look at the engine manufacturers, right, in terms of what's available, um, Ferrari and Red Bull have really pushed on performance, right? And there's a performance freeze up into 2025, um, I believe, with regards to the new engine. So that performance freeze, they've really pushed on performance, but reliability has been hindering on them. 
Well, if you take a look mm-hmm. at a car like or an engine like Mercedes, it's not really performing, you know, very well in terms of power, but it's super reliable, right? I haven't, you know, I don't think Mercedes have had a issue with an engine this year or a DNF as a result of a technical or an engine um, failure. So it's really interesting. I, I think they really have to dig some R and D into the reliability. And if they can do that this season and with those upgrades, like I, I, I can see Ferrari overcoming um, both cases where, uh, you know, Red Bull and Ferrari are just, um, or, or I think where Ferrari could overtake Red Bull and both uh, world drivers in terms of Ch- uh, Charles and Max and then um, constructors as well. But thank you, Harry, for the question. Um, unfortunately, this is, the, this is all time we have this week um, for the podcast, but it was great speaking with both of you on this. Next I, one. I'm just, I just want to say I'm very happy I was able to make it. So I, I guess <laughs> shout out to the rain for cancer and canceling our volleyball. So I am, I am sorry I was late to this. Sorry. but uh, Oh, no, not a problem. Not a problem. No, never. So we have to end the podcast there. I uh, just want to say it's Richie here. Thanks so much for the support in this week's episode. We really appreciate the questions. I know it's a shorter episode than what we're usually, uh, we usually do. And I know there was a lot to talk about this weekend. So hopefully we have some more time to talk uh, for the French Grand Prix. But make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are on YouTube. We are on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Twitch. Um, thank you from myself, Eric, and Andrew. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Oh, oh, and I almost forgot. Uh, I'm also going to need you to go ahead and come in on Sunday, too, okay?